You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hi friends, hope you're doing well today and welcome to this chapter of The Myth Pilgrim. Now, because of the surprisingly encouraging feedback from the last two Chinese philosophy and holiness episodes, I felt encouraged to offer you another. The intention of this episode is the same as the Kung Fu Panda and Shang-Chi episodes, namely to draw upon the wisdom of Chinese philosophy in order to rediscover and illuminate our own Catholic faith. Just like Greek philosophy has long since given us language and concepts to communicate our theology, so too can Chinese philosophy do likewise. Today, I'll share with you a very ancient and classical Chinese fable about a farmer and his horse. In Cantonese, You learn to recite that in a Chinese restaurant, they'll be like, Wow, very good, here's some free prawn crackers for you. Anyway, in this Taoist fable are themes of patience and surrender and detachment, especially in the face of unjust suffering. Like most wisdom from the East, there is much packed into this very simple story. So after reciting it today, I will give a few moments pause before offering a little commentary on why the story sheds light on Christian spirituality, and in a special way, one particular story from the Bible. So here's the story. An old Chinese farmer saved up a large amount of money to buy a new horse, which would help him immensely in his farming duties. But just a day after the farmer bought the horse, it ran away. His neighbours came over and expressed their grief. Ayah, my friend, I hope you can eventually get over this bad news, they said. The farmer looked up from his crops. Is it good news or bad news? Who knows? The next day, the runaway horse returned to the farmer's house by itself and brought with it another wild horse it had made friends with. Hearing the galloping and the neighing, the neighbours rejoiced. They went and found the farmer in his fields. Cheer up, friend. You're going to now double your farm income this year. Such great news. Is it good news or bad news? Who knows, replied the farmer and quietly continued with his work. A week later, The farmer's son took the second horse to follow his father to work. On the way, the second horse accidentally kicks the boy, and the boy's leg was broken in three places. That evening back at home, the neighbours lamented to the farmer, Ayah, you will have to spend all your savings on your son's broken leg. What terrible news! Once again, the farmer replies, Is it good news or bad news? Who knows? Soon after, the emperor announces that a neighbouring nation was invading China. Citing a lack of foot soldiers, the king orders all able-bodied men in the nation to get drafted into the army without any exceptions. But seeing that the farmer's son had a broken leg, the general figured he would be a burden and so spared him from having to enlist. As it turned out, all the other enlisted young men were killed in the battle. And when news of this arrived at the village, the neighbours came to the farmer. You are lucky that your son did not get enlisted. It is such good news for you. 
And of course, the old farmer smiled and calmly responded, Is it good news or bad news? Who knows? Okay, so what does it take to become like the farmer in the story? Notice your own felt responses as he navigates the many twists and turns of good fortune and bad fortune. Do you notice a sort of freedom he carries in his heart? I know that I feel a sort of like a fresh breeze breaking through when I think about how my bad news today are really only bad from my current perspective. After all, without the mind of God himself, can I truly judge an accident or a missed opportunity or a broken relationship to be definitively bad? After all, if the horse hadn't run off at the start of the story, the farmer's son would probably be dead in the war. And, just as provocatively, who's to say that the blessings that I now celebrate today are definitively good? Without knowing the whole story that God has written, how would I know whether my gifts and my talents and my lucky breaks won't turn out to be my own downfall? Or, if the blessings of one person becomes the curse for thousands, is it still really a blessing? Chinese wisdom would suggest that this fable isn't about whether or not good fortune is good or bad fortune is bad. Rather, it is about learning to have a healthy detachment from either extremes. It is about learning to hold on to seemingly good and bad fortune lightly, so as to be always ready to flow with the Tao, a word which you may remember means the way. Taoist's philosophy invites us to live in accordance with the natural flow of things, trusting in the balance of the cosmos and therefore to avoid making forceful, premature actions or judgments. Every season has its fruits. And try as we might to cultivate mangoes in winter, we will only work against the Tao, doing violence to ourselves and others. Better to grow mangoes in summer, says the Tao, and while in winter, to cultivate oranges instead. Or mandarins. Tao is as much about knowing when to act, as it is about how to act. A professional footballer knows when to shoot, and how to shoot whereas an impatient beginner will just force his will on the ball and get nowhere, even disrupting the harmony of his team. In reference to the horse fable, Taoist teaching especially cautions us against making premature judgments about situations, because it is from premature judgments that flow premature actions.
A central theme in Taoist philosophy is the concept of Wu Wei, or Mo Wei in Cantonese, which is really hard to translate literally into English. Some translate it as going with the flow, which is sort of true, but this is not entirely accurate. This is because going with the flow seems to imply passivity, to just always let things happen, to never intervene, and to become lazy. But passivity is not helpful when a person is faced with, say, war and unjust persecution and abuse and evil, where being passive can often be the worst thing that you could do. Hence, going with the flow is probably not the best translation for Wu Wei. A much more accurate translation would be acting without forcefulness. This definition suggests that there is a time to act, but when we do act, we act according to the natural flow of the Tao, and not according to our own impatience or the need to impose our wills. Acting without forcefulness would be demonstrated in the professional footballer or the wise、uh, fruit gardener. Most listeners of the horse fable wouldn't initially pick up that the farmer has actually learned the secret of acting without forcefulness. Notice that he wasn't entirely passive throughout the ups and downs of life. Rather, he continued his work quietly and patiently as a farmer, trusting that it wasn't the time to act impulsively. Indeed, it was his neighbors that needed to be schooled on Wu Wei. They who were so quick to judge the farmer situation and pronounce tragedy or victory. Today, Wu Wei's notion of acting without forcefulness is tremendously countercultural. So much so that we're probably not even aware of how much of what we do is in fact quite forceful. Regarding us even speaking. The subtext today is that if you want to say something, you just say it again with little thought of consequence, especially through the anonymity of social media. Our undiscerning consent to scientific progress suggests that if we can do something, we should do it again, sparing little thought of the consequences for the natural world or the world of ethics. See, you and I are saturated in a culture that imposes its will onto the world. While often ignoring the naturally ordered relationship between time and people and events, we're not content to eat the summer fruits in summer or the winter fruits in winter. We want all of the fruits, all season round, now. Also, notice how activity itself is seen as superior to non-activity in our culture, becoming busy for the sake of being busy, morphing us into little busybodies with little reflection on why we are doing so much that doesn't bring us life. Wu Wei then becomes the exception rather than the norm to living everyday life. Okay, so into all of this, you can probably already see the resonance that Wu Wei and the Tao have upon Christian living, though not without some differences too. If we liken Wu Wei to living surrendered to God's timing, then the opposite would be something like living attached to our own wills and our own sense of timing. We want something, and we want it now. And yet, this forcefulness is a disaster for the spiritual life. We judge before God what is woe and what is blessing, based only on our immediate experience, no longer able to recognize the bigger story that God might be telling, one that affects and involves other people too. Remember, poor judgment leads to poor actions. To judge any current circumstance as definitively bad would be like. Pausing our story when the horse runs away, trying to manipulate and coerce God day and night to get back the blessing we believe was ours, rather than just carrying on with our farming. Yet Jesus makes it very clear 
that the more we try and control and hold on to our lives, the more we'll lose it. And yet those who are able to surrender their lives are those who are able to save it. Look how much Lao Tzu, Taoism's greatest mind, echoes the biblical sentiments when he says, Do you think that you can rule the world and control it? I don't think it can ever be done. The world is a sacred vessel and it cannot be controlled. You will only make it worse if you try. It may slip through your fingers and disappear. End quote. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. You know, one of the reasons the fable resonates with me so much is because it parallels one of my favourite stories from the Bible, the story of the Old Testament Joseph, you know, the one with the multicoloured coat. By the way, if you wanted a good practical pilgrim reflection, I do suggest you read the story of Joseph yourself, starting in Genesis chapter 37, so that you can put some flesh on some of the wisdom we've been discussing today. But let's see, if we were to apply the farmer's comments of good news, bad news, who can tell, to Joseph's story, it might go something like this. Young Joseph is given the amazing gift of dream interpretation. Wow, what good news! Good news, bad news, who can tell? Then, because of his dreams, or rather, his prideful flaunting of his dreams, he gets thrown down a well by his brothers. Oh, what bad news! Good news, bad news, who can tell? From the well, Joseph then gets sold into slavery in Egypt, where his faith and diligence earns him a respected place in Potiphar's house. Ah, what good news! Good news, bad news, who can tell? While working in the house as a steward, Potiphar's wife becomes obsessed by him and frames him up for adultery, leading poor Joseph to get thrown into Pharaoh's prison. Ay, such bad news. Good news, bad news, who can tell? But while in prison, Joseph interprets the dream of two high-ranking officials from Pharaoh's court, and Pharaoh himself learns of this and calls on Joseph to accurately interpret his own mystery dream. Ah, what good news! Good news, bad news, who can tell? Unfortunately, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams as meaning a disastrous famine will be striking the lands, including the lands of his own Canaanite family. What bad news! Good news, bad news, who can tell? For the famine does in fact reach Canaan, which forces Joseph's family to come to Egypt to beg for help, enabling Joseph to reconnect with his long-lost brothers and eventually his father and his whole tribe, who then move into Egypt to outlast the famine. As far as the Genesis story goes, they live happily ever after there. Amen. So you wouldn't be wrong to conclude that the story ends with good news. I mean, that's the gospel, right? Now, of course, the story of Israel continues into the book of Exodus, but from the storyline I've just shared, we can see something of the Wu Wei wisdom at work, where Joseph's ongoing faithfulness to God gave him a reference point for right action at the right time. Like the farmer from the fable, Joseph navigated through the times of persecution and prison and abandonment with a level of detachment, trusting in the bigger story that God was telling in his midst. See, it is so important to remember our life story is not just about us. 
and therefore good and bad fortune can never be determined just from our own individual puny experience of it. For living according to the Tao is in many ways akin to living according to divine providence, where one is living in harmony with God's timing and his spirit. Of course, the one major difference between the horse fable and the stories in the Bible is that in the end, God's story will definitively culminate in good news. This happens not through pious wishful thinking, but because the Tao we live by is actually a real person, Jesus Christ, who is the way to the Father. We believe that in the end, our lives are going somewhere and history is heading towards something definitive, a final culmination, the establishment of God's kingdom forever. Whereas Eastern philosophy emphasizes a sort of perpetual cycle of events, Christianity preempts a final victorious chapter. But until that faithful time, dear pilgrim, let's hold on to both fortune and misfortune with a gentle detachment. Like the prophet Job, Let's remain ever steadfast in our faith, and along with him, learn to say, whether the Lord gives or the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs>